Hi guys, welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will. We got Brian with us today. Sup, heretics? You guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and of course, challenge status quo, which always needs challenging. But first, don't forget to do the internet stuff, like subscribe, and also feel free to support us on the Patreon. Uh, if you haven't watched our channel update, you probably should. Um, we will be mentioning that a little bit more, but we've already had a few people generously uh, come on the team to help support us, which is awesome. We really appreciate you guys. Um, that's going to become a lot more important going forward for our channel, mainly because Will's going broke. So, uh, <laughs> and if all the inside jokes today don't make any sense, please go back and watch the last episode. Yeah, I apologize <laughs> if you like didn't watch the big life update episode, and then you're like hanging out in this episode, you're gonna miss a lot of stuff. So, um, my screen's super bright as it's trying to update, so that's annoying. Oh, we'll just put that down. It's fine. <laughs> so, um, one of the things is for us, so just so you all know, uh, I am leaving in the state in six days, six days. Six five days. days, six days. Five know. days, six days, depends how you count it. We should put up a, like a countdown. Yeah, so. we could, but we're not going to. <laughs> um, so. I don't care that much. <laughs> yeah, no. But So this is actually Brian and I's last episode for a while doing it in person. Now, it doesn't mean that it's never going to happen. We do plan to see each other because we're friends and we like each other. So far, do we still like each other? We do. Okay, all right. I cool. have so much blackmail, you'll have to like me. <laughs> that's true. Just ding a little <laughs> over my head. You guys, for legal purposes, that's a joke. <laughs> No, just so you all know as well, uh, Brian and I have already uh, concluded a long time ago that we're ride or die. We have to just stay it's like stay best friends because we have Heck way yeah. too much crap on each other now. So uh, we're, you're stuck with us, and that's all there is to it <laughs> until one of us quits or dies. So, But this uh, is the last episode in this studio. Right, in this studio. And so that means give me a week or two. Like, like Give me some time to get set up at the new place. Brian, I think you said you might do a few episodes. Yeah, I'll probably try to fill in the gap. Try to steal all your fans. That's fine. Uh, I don't have many. Getting set up. You have, you're, you're, not, you're, you're the one with the cult following within the cult following, so <laughs> it'll be fine. But Brian, uh, so uh, of course, said he's going to be doing a weekly, uh, like this week in Christianity, and just kind of be pontificate on your thoughts on culture and other things going on. Yep. Um, and Brian's going to do his own segment. I'm going to do my own segment, and then we're going to do our combined segment. So there's going to be a lot more content flying at you with this new shift of with my new job and all. So this is going to be really cool. I'm really pumped for it. Uh, but for but with all that being said, Brian and I, uh, well, I was personally, I should say, and no, I shouldn't lump you in with me. I was struggling on what to do on our final episode because um, I got so much going on. Half my house is packed. If you saw the back of this room, you just see boxes. It's chaos and, over here. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's pure madness. In fact, the only reason why this isn't packed up is because we wanted to do one last one. Uh, so I was struggling with us coming up with an idea, and Brian came up with this idea. And so um, for those of you who don't know, Brian and I, and okay, look, if you don't like the Daily Wire, we okay, whatever. But we like the Daily Wire, and we're yeah. both subscribers. We are. And uh, we're both of the came for Ben, stayed for Michael groupies. Mm -hmm. So we love Michael Knowles. Um, and we, you listen to his show. Don't you listen to it daily? Pretty much daily. Yep. Yep, yep. And so he listens to the show daily. I listen to it pretty regularly and uh he said something at the end of a recent episode that mildly like set you off yeah i just kind of it was funny because it was like the whole day the theme of my friday was original sin like it kept coming up in different conversations and i'm listening to michael knowles at lunchtime and then someone asked this question about the sinlessness of mary and i was like oh my gosh i was like oh what is he gonna say because i do like a little question answer thing at the end of the show each day and 
Michael Knowles's uh, answer made me cringe. <laughs> so then I'm texting Will's like, we got to respond to this. So here we are. So here we are. Um, so keep in mind, we love Michael Knowles. We uh, like the Daily Wire a lot. Um, doesn't mean you agree with him all the time. And Michael Knowles is a devout Catholic. And I think there are worse things you can be than a devout Catholic. But mm-hmm. I also think that Catholics are wrong. Um, uh, it's, that's why I'm still, I guess, a Protestant. So here we are. <laughs> They're wrong about some things. Yeah, it's okay. That much to my chagrin. Like I really wish, like I could just be like, I found the one true church with all the right beliefs and everything's <laughs> perfect now. But that's just not realistic. So it's okay. Uh, with that being said, I guess we should start be getting this clip. Yeah, we'll play the clip and then uh, we'll kind of interject our comments and we'll go from there. Longtime listener, huge fan. Currently about to finish my conversion Catholicism. Thank you to uh, you being a big part of that uh, and leading me to that and just the truth of the one true church. So thank you so much. Anyway, here's my question. So a discussion I get in frequently with one of my uh, Protestant friends is the Immaculate Conception. I've, I, I somewhat understand it and I, I'm trying to listen to many people like Dr. Tony Marshall explain it, who's much more intelligent than I am. But I would just love to hear your elevator pitch or your kind of dumbed down version, if you will, for somebody like myself. Of how do how do I not only how do I explain this and, and fully understand the immaculate conception of Mary? How is it that even though the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, how do I explain to a Protestant that Mary was sinless? That she she really was hail Mary, full of grace and sinless. So thank you so much, Michael. Can't wait for your answer. God bless. Well, you just partially explained it right there which is the full of grace part. But for those who don't know, the Immaculate Conception refers to the conception of Mary without the stain of original sin. So a lot of people think it refers to the virgin birth, you know, or the conception of our Lord Jesus Christ without a human male uh, participating. But it, it refers to the conception of Mary. And so this raises a problem in the minds of some people, which is, well, hold on, I I was told that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So that's got to include Mary too, right? Because that that's literally what it says. But if we were to interpret that verse in the most strict literalism we possibly could, then we would have to conclude that our Lord Jesus Christ sinned and fell short of the glory of God because he is among the set of all. He's a person, right? So did Jesus sin? No, of course not. That's absurd. All sin and fall short of the glory of God is a true statement about mankind and human nature, but Our Lord Jesus Christ is obviously an exception to that rule. And the Blessed Virgin is an exception to that rule, too. (laughs) That pains me. Um, Maybe a little bit of backstory, just so everyone, you can watch our original Sin episode for, like, the real deep dive on this. Um, But just a real quick history, Augustine of Hippo is essentially the one that coined the idea of original sin as in a doctrine, as in a state of human nature that were born completely fallen and guilty of Adam's sin at birth. Essentially, sin is an STD that's transferred from person to person. Yeah, it's um, the idea of imputation. Like, yes. Adam's sins, sinful guilt is imputed onto you. Even though you didn't do it, you were held as if you had. That's the idea. So Augustine was the one who came up with that. And uh, with the Immaculate Conception, Knowles is correct that people oftentimes believe it's about Jesus's like virgin birth, so therefore it's an Immaculate Conception. But it's not talking about that, right? It's talking about Mary's Immaculate Conception. It's talking about she was immaculately conceived as well, full of grace, so mm-hmm. to speak. So yeah. she did not have guilt uh, imputed unto her. 
And so Knowles uses one of the proof texts for original sin here and tries to argue against it. And he says a little carve out that was at the end of that first clip, which is, well, it doesn't apply to Jesus and also it doesn't apply to Mary. You can just not apply it to whoever you like, depending on what your presupposition is on doctrine. Yeah. So in the Romans 3.23, for all of sin to fall short of the glory of God, uh, apparently Catholics like Knowles, use it incorrectly, and uh, I know a lot of Protestants use it incorrectly. You have to read things within context. I know everyone says that. Everyone's like, oh, within context, and then they <laughs> claim to be the one who like has discovered the true context. Like, Calvinists do it. Catholics do it. They all say that well, within context, right? So, but... To kind of make fun of myself, I'm just going to say, but to take it in context, um, <laughs> you have to read Romans uh, 3.23 within what it's referring to first chapter one is really referring to kind of mankind as a general whole and then he's talking about like hey jews you're no better than gentiles and because just you know in a sense yes because the oracles of god basically come from you but also you guys are still people too and uh it doesn't matter if you're jew or gentile because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god so he's referring to jew and gentile and yes all i get what Knowles is saying like all oh, doesn't apply to jesus christ so therefore we could just insert mary too as an exception to her but that just <laughs> seems to like beg the question right like that is question begging like just well to her too well why well, because the Immaculate Conception, yeah, but why was that even necessary? Like, it doesn't follow because then, like you said, like you just said it, we could apply that to anybody. Mm-hmm. Brian, you're just the exception. Clearly, <laughs> duh. Hail Brian, full of grace. So, uh, the- I am not sinless. <laughs> <laughs> and you are not full of grace. <laughs> no one qu- quote First uh, John to me, please, either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So- if any of you says that you're without sin. Uh, so, the realize, so yeah, this it's just, it's just very bizarre uh, to go. F- into that. But yeah, all have sinned. It's talking about Jew and Gentile, all have sinned. And the only exception we see continually stated in the New Testament is Jesus Christ. Um, but we'll talk about that more probably here in a minute as we go on. Yeah, it's just the thing that remember is this original sin idea is not original to the church, even though Knowles is going to say it here in a few minutes. Um, but it it contains an ent- a lot of baggage. And there's a lot of things that are, are logically obvious to a Christian that we have to work around and create special categories to keep that baggage while applying what's logically true. True. Like with unborn babies and their innocence. If you really follow Augustine original sin, they are guilty of Adam's Adam's sin and they deserve hell. And as cute as sweet and as pro-life as we want to be and we can say all these things. We have to. You'll see a lot of Christians create new categories for babies, and oh, they they're given this special set of grace, which should sound very similar because that's the same argument that Knowles is going to make for Mary, Mary full of grace. She has a special grace, this work of Jesus that essentially retroactively applies to Mary's birth, um, in order to keep her sinless. Um, to just basically say it retcons original sin. It does retcon original sin. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah, we will talk about that here in a minute, how there is a shift more so. So this is interesting. Continue, Knowles. Does this mean that Mary didn't need a savior? No, certainly not. The Immaculate Conception is a Catholic dogma, but it's a, it's been a belief of Christians since time immemorial, uh, which is that Mary was preserved from the stain of original sin by a singular and special grace of Jesus Christ. So it is, it is still that Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross 
is what redeems mankind, but that there is a, a special ordering of that in the case of Mary. Uh, one way to describe it would be if you fell into a ditch and then I come along and I pull you out of the ditch, I saved you from the ditch, right? Uh, but if you were walking toward a ditch and I said, hey, 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 step around that. There's a ditch there. I also would have saved you from the ditch, but I would have saved you from the ditch before you fell into the ditch, which is what our Lord did to his mother. Uh, part of the reason for this is that uh, as Christ is the new Adam, Mary is the new Eve, uh, and both uh, created without original sin. Uh, part of this is because Eve is the new Ark of the Covenant. Covenant. Christ is the new covenant, and Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant is immaculate, stainless. Uh, but we also see this in Scripture, too, which is when, uh, well, as you say, Hail Mary, Hail Mary full of grace, the Lord is with thee. This phrase, full of grace, is not, uh, hey, you're partially with grace. It's that you're full of grace. And then you see this in the greeting from Elizabeth to Mary, which is she says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. So this same word, juxtaposed right next to one another, to refer to the blessedness of Mary and the blessedness of our Lord's. It is a, a singular type of blessedness. Uh, and then you just have 2,000 years of the Christian tradition. So if you say, well, that doesn't really convince me, Michael, uh, I'm not persuaded. Uh, you know, that's, you're just reading parts of scripture, or you're just uh, deducing certain things by reason. Um, but, you know, that's not really what I believe. Where is it in scripture more directly or something? I guess I would just have to ask, why is it that Christians have believed this for 2,000 years? And then in more recent centuries, people stopped believing this. That, that's what I, I would just would always ask the question of history, why one's views, which are supposedly so ancient, are out of line with history. And then I would ask the question of authority. Uh, it, it, when people say, well, I just read my Bible and I know what it means. You say, well, a lot of people read the Bible and they have all sorts of varying interpretations. So, so you haven't sidestepped the question of authority. Who has the authority of interpretation and the interpretive principle? And uh, even if you don't believe in the Pope yet or something, you know, even if you don't believe in the, the uh, authority of the church, you might at least believe in the authority of the vast majority of Christians who have lived going back to the apostolic age. So um, <laughs> basically, there's a lot of appeal to authority at the end and 2,000 years of Christian dogma, as he put it. And uh, apparently, um, all Christians have believed this in memoriam. Is that the term he used? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or did they? If you're going to make a claim like that, make sure you're right. (laughs) Right. And well, and this is, and so this happens a lot. This is part of the problem with the doctrine of the magisterium of the Catholic Church, which is that the Catholic Church can't be wrong. So Augustine, for example, was wrong on a lot of things. Like we have plenty of scholarship to show that he was wrong on a few things. Like he didn't read Greek, he didn't read Hebrew, he came to wrong, wrongful views, but because he was like, brought up as a, now as a doctor of the church, a saint of the church as well, he's now part of the ultimate doctrine of the magisterium, which is that the church is infallible because grace has guided the church into infallibility continually. Now, here's part of the problem too, like her being full of grace, this is again that concept of Augustine, which is that grace is like um, a special, like a knowledge or to a degree or a special enlightenment that also brings you to proper belief and behavior. And grace really is just acting favorably towards you. And they kind of turn it into this weird, like, superpower of, mm-hmm. like, soul cleansing and soul leading. And that's not necessarily, like, really what grace would be. Um, but because of that, uh, they, so were they, oh, Hail Mary, full of grace, they just automatically assume that 
full of grace must be so full of grace that you're without sin because that's your superpower that has cleansed your soul as opposed to God has act. You're full of grace because God has fully acted favorably towards you by letting you bring in the incarnate. Now I have no problem with like, oh, she's the new Ark of the Covenant. He's he's the new Adam. Like because there's that's what we call recapitulation or recapping the Old Testament, like Irenaeus. And that's that has been a dogma for two thousand years. <laughs> like that's been around, and we even see like the author of Hebrews make reference to it. Same with Paul. There's like certain things where we see recapitulation take place. I don't really have a problem with that. But then also the blessed thing. <laughs> yeah. I missed that the first time I listened yeah, to like, it. <laughs> because she's blessed, she's sinless. There's so many people that are blessed in Scripture. Does that make them sinless? Apparently that all have sinned really is just like a special category for like 60% of people. Right. And this is what's amazing <laughs> to me, like how such logical people once you get – and this happens all the time. Like not just Catholics, right? Right now we're picking on a Catholic. But it's like – it happens all the time where people suddenly logic goes completely out the window when theology comes up. They start mm-hmm. like, no one, because here's the other thing. If God can just create a woman full of grace who is without sin, can't he just immaculately conceive everybody? And then we're back to a restored creation. Yeah. All of a sudden, Jesus didn't have to die on the cross. Right. Like <laughs> if God just can do that, that, that doesn't, right, that doesn't really make sense. Um so again, that that's nonsensical. But there or are, or just do it with Eve. Like God's like, oh, that was terrible. I'm gonna still let them immaculately conceive. Her next children will all be that way. <laughs> Only Adam and Eve will have fallen, and the rest yeah. of the kids will be good. Um, that was a fun experiment. Winter, winter, rye. Right. Starting over. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whoops. Um, <laughs> I said, don't eat it. Okay. All right. Next generation, they won't. <laughs> yeah. That, glad we cleared that up. Uh, special reset button here. I know we're being facetious, like, I, but I mean, it's, it is a thing where uh, I, I even in, like what looked into a lot of the Orthodox Church because when I found a lot of their doctrines, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so like there's so many so much richness here. And then, like, but even their Mariology, I was like, what in the world? Like, what is with that? Like, it's just very bizarre um, because that's not what the, like, you don't have a bunch of Mariology in the early church. Like, you don't. So uh, Brian did some home, did some digging, did. and we got we got some notes for y'all. So, um, yeah, before I jump into the church flowers, one thing I was going to say, because Knowles makes a point of making sure you're not uh, interpreting scripture on your own because you might come up with weird beliefs. And I would present... Augustine of Hippo is a great example <laughs> of maybe not interpreting correctly and coming up with some strange beliefs. Um, so a couple of church fathers um, looking at just some points here regarding the sinlessness of Mary, if that was something they actually believed. Um, and we'll st- we're gonna we're gonna attack their his position first, and we'll steel man it later. So all you apologists, philosophers, we're, fl- we're flipping the script. Irenaeus in the demonstration of apostolic preaching says, who else is perfectly righteous but the Son of God, who makes righteous and perfect them that believe on him, who, like unto him, are persecuted and put to death. So the point there, the only one perfect and righteous is Jesus. Mary isn't being carved out as a special, um, sinless person along with Jesus. Um, and then in Tertullian, yeah. uh, would, what, Tertullian says this in his work on the soul, 41. He says, For God alone is without sin, and the only man without sin is Christ. Since Christ is also God, just as no soul is without sin, so neither is any soul without seeds of good. So yeah, even though, correct, for all have sin to come short of the glory of God excludes Christ, but that seems to be very agreed upon. Like, yes, it excludes Christ. But so far, that doesn't seem like it's excluding Mary from Tertullian. And then John Chrysostom, who uh, 
we are big fans of. <laughs> uh, he, he's based. I love him. He's great. The uh, homilies of John says, and she became, because she had borne him, claimed according to the custom of our mothers to direct him in all things when she ought to have reverenced and worshipped him. Then this then was the reason why he answered as he did on that occasion. As so this was a reason why he rebuked her on that occasion, saying, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Instructing her on the future not to do the like, because though he was careful to honor his mother, yet he cared much for the salvation of her soul. That really doesn't sound like John was in the sinless Mary camp. Right. At all. And especially when it's like it said he uh, how much more did, did he care about the salvation of her soul? Why would her soul need like Knowles tried to address this and he didn't do a very good job. Why does she need a savior and why does he care about the salvation of her soul? And he said he rebukes her. Like, why would you need rebuking if you're like essentially perfect? Like, like some of these things just don't follow. Um, especially since none of the New Testament corpus even mentions that. Like, honestly, it would be like if all the early church fathers had very dogmatic statements about this, I would probably be more inclined to be like, okay, well, hear me out. I'll hear it out mm-hmm. and even give it more consideration. But New Testament really hasn't mentioned it. And so far, I'm seeing, I'm seeing quotes that seem to be in contradiction to that. Yeah. Um, and then Augustine, uh, well, yeah, Ambrose, I should say, as cited approvingly by Augustine in a treatise on the grace of Christ and on original sin, said this. It is therefore an observed and settled fact that no man born of a man and a woman, that is, by means of their bodily union, is seen to be free from sin. For the Lord Jesus alone of those who are born of a woman is holy, inasmuch as he experienced not to the contact of earthly corruption by reason of the novelty of his immaculate birth. Nay, he repelled it by his heavenly majesty. So Christ's ontological nature pushes back uh, any sinful corruption that he could have because he's perfect. And one might say, well, he was saying like, you know, a union between man and woman, uh, Christ was immaculately conceived. But he also says that he is the only, for the Lord Jesus Christ alone of those who are born of a woman is holy. So, again, it doesn't seem like that the church is as united on this as, as possible. I mean, it doesn't say she's completely evil, but no, but or anything like that. But you are still seeing that concept here. And that was written in 418 AD. We're going to have a quote in a, in a little bit from Augustine three years prior, seemingly making the case um, that Mary was sinless. So we can kind of see around this kind of early 400 AD time where that this idea is really starting to come into fruition. And it's because of this original sin concept being pushed into the church that did not exist before. Um, now you've heard us read some parts that are saying that, talking about the souls are, are sinful, and we 100% agree. We just are specifically denying the part about Adam's guilt being imputed to everyone through birth. Right. Um, that was a new concept that Augustine created. Um, and then, so obviously, there's there's a lot of argumentation about which is the original church. Is it Greek Orthodox? Is it the Catholics? Is it something else? Is it the Anabaptists? <laughs> they track their line all the way back to John the Baptist. The trail of blood! <laughs> um, but... It's good to ask, well, what do the Orthodox think? Because the Orthodox don't agree with the Catholics on original sin at all. Correct. 
Um, and they do have some strange ideas on Mary that I don't know we would agree with. Um, but you can look on their website. We'll have the link in the description below. Um, but they say here, I can. this is the Orthodox responding to the concept of Mary being sinless. And they say, I can say in short that the Orthodox Church believes that Mary as a human being could indeed have sinned but chose not to. In the Roman Catholic understanding, it seems that Mary, who according to the Roman doctrine, had been exempted from the guilt of original sin, the Orthodox do not accept that humans share the guilt of the first sin, but rather only the consequences. So they're essentially saying that Mary was just making all the right decisions of her own free will. She wasn't born of Adam's guilt because none of us are, but somehow she still managed to stay sinless. Right, so she chose never to fall into it. But still, this seems to me that we have some some bleed over of this idea of, of what's going on with Mary, but we don't seem to have a ton of compelling evidence that Mary was considered sinless for all of church history. We have the Greek Orthodox believe a variant of that, Catholics believe a variant of it, and the Protestants reject it, but also hold to the original sin idea in almost uniform. Which is funny, because <laughs> this is where it's like, well, uh, this is where the Protestants is like, just get rid of the inherited guilt. You and I were talking to a pastor friend of ours about this last week. We were. We were like, hey, man. That was man. a theme of last week, actually. <laughs> yeah, it really was. I'm going through, like, dude, if you get rid of this idea of inherited guilt, like, you can say you're you're a sinful by nature, like I have an inclination to sin, or, uh, you know, our our belief is that you're not held accountable to sin unless you know of it, like, because where there is no other, there's no sin. We believe there's a, a knowledge element to it. But it's like, no matter what, like, there's a lot of other views on this that are acceptable, the biggest thing is making sure that inherited guilt doesn't need to be part of your theology because it be, it gets really ridiculous. Because if we're all born guilty, then Mary was just miraculously not held guilty for it. God gave her grace to withstand it so that way Christ could be born for her without inheriting this weird guilt thing. And it's like, this is weird. It's like, you don't need to. Like, again, check out our deep dive video where we really break this down. But you don't need that theology to get to mankind or sinners and it's Adam's fault. <laughs> and if you're yelling at your screen right now going, what about this verse? What about this verse? We do, like Will said, we break it all down in that original sin video and we'll link it below too. So you can dive into that if you think we're heretics at this point in time. Luke 1, we're going to get to this idea of... Um, Mary needing a savior again, she even says it, right? So Luke 1, 46 to 47, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. And again, why would she need a savior if she didn't think that she was, if she thought she was sinless? Um, which is why, again, it's a foreign concept because everyone, like throughout all the scripture, there really is this idea that mankind sins. And so it seems like she just kind of, there really isn't anything showing in scripture that she's that way. It said that all generations will call her blessed, and she is. She gave birth to the incarnate Christ. She is, you could say, the yeah. new Ark of the Covenant. She is, in a sense, the new Eve. But it doesn't mean like these are one-to-one -one ratios, right? That that is actually something that bothers me because it's like, oh well, Adam and Eve were both sinless, therefore Mary and Jesus must have been sinless. First off, Mary and Jesus aren't married, right? <laughs> They're not. It's not like Adam We're and Eve in different that sense. generations, <laughs> right? It's like. That's the, his mother. And then you have this, uh, and then I tell them, it's like you, 
one of them, they, they both wore clothes. Like there, there are, they're not exact one-to-one ratios. They're just not. The idea is like, yes, it's symbolic, right? Mm-hmm. You have the new Adam and you have a new Eve, so to speak, but not in the same exact sense. Also, Mary had knowledge of good and evil where Eve did not back then. Uh, Christ was like, we're going to talk about here in a second, like, like I said, every respect. Uh, in fact, you know what? Because I'm, I'm ranting about it, Do I'll it. just read it's it. Next one Hebrews 2.17 says, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So Christ was made like us in every way, which means he also had knowledge of good, the knowledge of good and evil, just like we, we do. So it's not an exact one one ratio from the innocence of Adam and Eve. Uh, again, they're not married, right? They're different generations. They wore clothes. They possess knowledge of good and evil. They lived in a corrupted world. There is again, this is it's not exact one to one. So just it, it seems like you are you're having again force. Uh, you're trying to have like okay, well this part I want to force into it. That's an exact one to one, but the rest not. As opposed to just getting behind the symbology of the recapitulation of Adam and the rest of the Old Testament within Christ because he is the foundation of the new covenant. So he is the faithful high priest. So um, anyway, uh, so it is, uh, and to talk about that too for a minute, like he is like us in every respect. So if he was born guilty, if we are born guilty, that he's born guilty. Mm-hmm. Otherwise he's not really like us at all. Right. If, we are born evil. He must be born evil. Otherwise, again, he is not like us at all. This is why the idea of like an inherited evilness is wrong. We inherit Adam's consequences, and the Orthodox Church is correct here. We inherit the consequences of that, which is a corrupted world and an inclination toward evil because we have the knowledge of good and evil and that which you know you desire. And once you, to he who, know, he who knows to do right but does not do it, to him it is sin. So therefore you fall into sin. Christ was born with that same knowledge of good and evil and flesh. There's a reason why Romans 8 calls it, he said he nailed the sinful flesh to the cross, right? It's this idea of a corruption, not necessarily a guiltiness of it. Um, So, again, (laughs) hope you guys can see what I'm saying here. Christ is like us in every respect. He felt temptation. He has the, the weakness of the flesh as well. He had all the same things that you and I have. He just conquered and ruled over it the way Cain was told he could you know, sin is crouching at the door, but you must rule over it. Christ actually did. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why you don't need all these weird mes- metaphysics. Like, for the wages of sin is death. And people are like, see, right there, the punishment is sin, but everyone dies. It's like, no, no, sin, the wages, the, the price, uh, the, what sin pays out is death. That's the, that's the concept being said there. So, um, and there's sin in the world. Sin is corruption. Sin, therefore, brings mortality. So I don't think we need to... I don't know. I feel like I'm just beating a dead horse. Yeah. But and then some things to kind of ponder about this is you kind of logically follow down this this path. Go, okay, Mary's sinless. She's conceived sinless. And but we think about Eve. Why did Eve sin? Well, Eve was free from the knowledge of good and evil when she sinned. She was just told not to eat of the tree. But she sins because she has an external temptation, which is Satan. So Satan's still in the world when Mary's alive. So why so she's able to just perfectly not not succumb to this even though she was born without original sin. So her and Eve if, if original sin's a thing, they're both free from it. Eve falls into it, but Mary somehow doesn't. 
So it's not that she just didn't didn't get born with sin, but she actually managed to make every single correct choice for her entire lifetime, um, which is what the Greek, Greek Orthodox believes. So it really brings up a question of the will. Did she even have free will that she could do that for that long? Um, and, the, and we kind of hinted at this before, but if God can do this and he wants to do this and he desires to do this, why didn't he do it with Eve and Adam? With, why, did, why weren't their children immaculately conceived? Why after he destroyed the world with a flood and it was like, yep, humanity's uh, bent towards sin continually, their minds are on sin continually, so why didn't he make uh, Noah and his wife and, and their children, why didn't they conceive immaculately? So then we were done with this whole original sin thing. Or original sin isn't a really a thing. There was an original sin, but not inherited, imputed guilt to offspring from exactly. Adam. So um, now Catholics, of course, do have uh, things that they cite in the early in the early church that they believe teaches that the early church believed that she was without sin, and you'll find that there is some real that these are some of these are quite the stretch. And before you read, I just want to say the term anachronism or anachronistic reading. It's a it's an idea where you use your modern lens and apply it retroactively to what people thought and said a long time ago, and then reading those words and assuming that they believe the same thing you do. Mm-hmm. So I want you to just think about that as we read these, because it does make sense. If you're in your mind going, original sin's a thing, and then you read these, you might go, oh, they're, they're kind of hinting at that. Right, exactly. Are and, they? And people read a lot of the early church and a lot of the Bible acronistically. So anyway... Um, all right, so uh, Ascension of Isaiah 11 says, The report concerning the child was noised abroad in Bethlehem. Some said the Virgin Mary has given birth before she was married two months. And many said she has not given birth, the midwife has not gone up to her, and we heard no cries of pain. So they think this idea of like no cries of pain meaning sinless. <laughs> and I'm not sure if what they're deducing from this, by the way, is like... Uh, Eve was told that he'll increase your pain in childbirth. Therefore, so she did not cry in pain. She must not have had the original sin that Eve had. Yeah, the punishment that was transferred. Yeah, right. But again, that's that still seems like you're kind of, and I could I could get behind actually that interpretation if we had like other strong evidence that pointed to it. Like, oh, then that makes sense because that would be a byproduct of. Uh, you know, if we had straight up statements like she was without sin, she was without sin, like all throughout the New Testament and stuff, and then we read something like this and no cries of pain, you'd go, oh, that's that's so cool. There's a parallelism to Eve here, you know, yeah. but there really isn't. It's just like, okay, there's no cries of pain. Okay, so she wasn't in a lot of pain. Um, and if Genesis 3 might have said, and I will give you pain and childbearing instead of increase, which sure seems like it was there, now it's worse. Right, exactly. And for all, and you know, even if she was without pain, that does not mean she was without sin nor without inherited guilt. So it seems like, again, it's a bit of a leap here. Or could, and let's say she was without pain. Let's say, okay, but, but just because God made it painless for her doesn't necessarily mean that she's sinless. It could have just been God acting graciously toward her. Let's face <laughs> it, Mary was tough. She was confronted by an angel and she goes, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> she I was, believe she was a boss. Everyone else is like, "What?" <laughs> the original girl boss. Uh, so maybe she's just tough. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I want to read uh, odes from Odes of Solomon. Yes. There. So this is from AD eighty. Um, so the virgin became a mother with great mercies, and she labored and bore the son. 
but without pain, because it did not occur without purpose. And she did not seek a midwife because he caused her to give life. So again, nothing here about no sin or all, any of that. We just see this, again, this idea of without pain. And you could still, even without the sin nature, still make a parallelism to Eve and go, this is the way it was originally intended. You could say that. And that, therefore, in a sense, she is the new Eve because she doesn't have, uh, she didn't feel pain and just is like showing God's original desire for creation. But again, that doesn't, it, it doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't get us far enough to say she's without sin entirely. And for all I know, she's probably a very moral woman too. I feel like she's she had to have been, mm-hmm. but being sinless just seems a little little stretching on these. And by the way, as we're reading these, these are marching forward in time. So yep. now eighty fifty five. Yeah, in eighty fifty five, in the dialogue with Trifo the Jew. Um, so this is uh, if it's the dialogue to Trifo. This is written by Justin Martyr. Uh, so Jesus became man by the virgin, so that the course, so the course which was taken by disobedience in the beginning through the agency of the serpent, might also the might, uh, might be also the very course by which it would be put down. Eve, a virgin and undefiled, conceived the word of the serpent and bore disobedience and death. But the Virgin Mary received faith and joy when the angel Gabriel announced to her the glad tidings that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon her and the power of the Most High, God, Most High would overshadow her. For this reason, for which reason the Holy Holy One, being born of her, is the Son of God. And she replied, "Be it done unto me according to your word." Luke one thirty eight. Um, so again, we see a virgin undefiled. Now, someone might go, undefiled. See, she's undefiled of sin. But when you're reading contextually of virgin undefiled, it just means she's still a virgin. It's just emphasizing that, right? Like a, uh, like as pure as a virgin or a virgin, white as snow. It's the idea of purity, undefiled. Like yeah. you, To insert sinlessness here, again, it seems like without an explicit statement, it seems like you're stretching. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Plus, the her, her virginity was part of the the prophecies of Jesus, so it makes sense. The church fathers are making a big point that yes, she was a virgin. Right. I don't think this is making it. He's not thinking original sin doctrine yet. He's thinking a virgin, undefiled. He's it's it's lest he repeat himself. Right. Um. So I think, but if you look at this anachronistically and say, oh, stain original sin, and then I read undefiled. See, there it is. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. If you're looking for it, you'll find it with that same lens. Exactly. Um, and you then read, you read the goat himself, uh, Irenaeus against heresies. Here we go. In AD one eighty nine. Consequently, then Mary the Virgin is found to be obedient, saying, "Behold, O Lord, your handmaid, be it done to me according to your word." Eve, however, was disobedient, and when yet a virgin, she also she did not obey. She just as she who was then still virgin, though she had Adam for a husband. For in paradise they were both naked, but were not ashamed. For, having been created only for a short time, then had no understanding of the procreation of the children, and it was necessary that they first come to maturity before beginning to multiply. Having become disobedient, was made the cause of death herself and for the whole human race. So also Mary, betrothed to a man, but nevertheless still a virgin, being obedient, was made the cause of salvation for herself and the whole human race. Thus the knot of Eve's disobedience was loosened by obedience of Mary. What the virgin Eve had bound in unbelief, the virgin Mary loosed through faith. Which is a really 
cool way to say that. Right. It, yeah, it really is. What the Virgin Eve had uh, bound in unbelief, the Virgin Mary loose through faith. That's dope. That's back to that recapitulation thing. Not an exact one-to-one, but you're seeing seeing the principle. Now, one thing I did want to talk about here, Yeah, I, I thought, thought it was interesting that he believed that Eve was a virgin. <laughs> beforehand and i think this is because some people had like especially back then had this like more disgusting view of sex like sex must be bad or like more corrupt or something um even though Irenaeus is very early it just kind of is like i'm guessing that must be because there's really no biblical evidence that she was still a virgin at this point and we've brought this up in our genesis series like when adam and eve were created were they were they created as 20 year olds or there's zero right <laughs> are they babies or <laughs> how big are they <laughs> so it is something i've always wondered is like what level of maturity were they at before you know they sinned i don't were know 30 40 50 18 <laughs> what's going on yeah oh my gosh actually that is a good question everyone asks about belly buttons but now what's what's what was their maturity? was it in, was it like at six months eight of the tree and God's like, come on, like you're not even a year. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to say. That's a good question. We I don't have biblical evidence for it. We can theorize as much as we want and we can make as much really cool parallels as we think, but let's let's be careful with our parallels and not apply doctrine from the parallels because it's kind of cool. Right. And so, um, again, I, so first off, I think he's probably stretched it a little bit to assume that she's a virgin, that Eve was a virgin at this point. But let's say Irenaeus is, is right. And you know what? Irenaeus is the man. So if, if he's wrong there, I give grace because <laughs> I love Irenaeus. But, but is he saying she was sinless? Right. No, no, because Mary betrothed to a man, nevertheless, still a virgin, being obedient. She was obedient. You can say, obedient, yeah, obedient to, to what? To carry the Messiah. <laughs> Doesn't say she was obedient perfectly the entire her entire life. Nor does it say that she um uh well, that she was born sinless. Like there's none of that in here. It's just she was a virgin who was obedient to bring the Christ as a virgin woman. Could it be that Irenaeus was thinking just like us, we are we are seen as righteous by our faith. That also Mary was seen as righteous by her faith. Yeah. Could it be the same? Does it need a special category? Exactly. Did he believe a special category? I don't think so. So the flesh of Christ uh, in AD 210 uh, says this. It was while Eve was still a virgin that the word of the devil crept in to erect an edifice of death. Likewise, through a virgin, the word of God was introduced to set up a structure of life. Thus, what had, what, what had been laid waste in ruin by this sex was the same sex reestablished in salvation. Eve had believed the serpent. Mary believed Gabriel. That which uh, the one destroyed. That which by the one destroyed by believing, the other by believing set straight. So clearly, Tertullian uh, has let, read Irenaeus, or somebody's copied somebody's homework somewhere <laughs> down the line. But uh, that, that's almost the exact word for word what we found in Against Heresy. So we see it here as well. Same point. Which is pretty Belief. normal, by the way, in like early church writings. A lot of them like kind of like added onto each other. So it's fine. Uh, that's what you'd expect. Um, ooh, want to read the passing of the virgin? Sure. This is AD 300. If therefore it might come to pass by the power of your grace, it has appeared right to us, your servants, that as you having overcome death, do reign in glory, so that so you should raise up the body of your mother and take her with you, rejoicing into heaven. Then, Je then the Savior Jesus, and this is quotes, be it done according to your will. Oh, another interesting um, belief of the Catholic Church. They believe that that uh, Jesus ushered Mary into heaven and saving her from the pain of death. 
Did you know that? But it, again, it just seems like it's pure conjecture. Um, Chapter and verse. <laughs> right. It's just, I don't, it's, and this is what I mean. Like you get, you, Mariology can get really weird. Like I'm actually, I'm even cool with the mother of God idea. Like, hey, she's the mother of God. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. she, Christ incarnate, Christ is God. Okay. In some sense, that's true. Good Christian. <laughs> yeah, like I'm good with it. Like you know, there's some parts of Mariology. I'm like, all right, cool. Like I said, the New Eve, the New Co- the uh, New Ark of the Covenant. Like a lot of those yeah. things I'm here for. But this whole like high like reverence to the level of like not worship because that's a not way, but this weird veneration and ideal that she has to be sinless in order to be blessed or in order to be respected or in order to be looked up looked up to as the mother of like the new covenant that just doesn't seem to follow for me. Um, Cause I mean, Moses wasn't, Moses wasn't sinless. And yet he's the, he was like the father of the law, right? The father <laughs> yeah. of that covenant. Uh, Say with Abraham, the, the, the beginning of the covenant for Israel. So I just, I don't see that part needing to be, to be a thing. Does but, Mary get to be one of the witnesses? Uh, don't, because, don't, 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 don't stop. My conspiracy theory friends. Come on, let's go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> Oh right, because everyone's like, "Oh, it might be Enoch and Elijah," because God took them up to heaven and they didn't see death. And to be man is to die once. <laughs> you, you guys get your own Discord. Server. Add that in the comment section. I want nothing to do with that conversation. Have fun on like in PMs or something. Stay, keep me out of it. You, Mary, is one of the witnesses, just like scolding people. Why are you like this? <laughs> Come on, it's fun to think about. If that's what that means, I'm I'm, I'm not even convinced that that's all literal. Okay, all right, I'm moving. I'm I'm not either, but I know what people say. I'm reading Nature and Grace from 415 AD, and you're going to stop. (laughs) All right, so um, Nature and Grace 415 AD. Compose yourself. All right. Having accepted the Holy Virgin Mary, concerning whom, on account of the honor of the Lord, I wish to have a uh, absolutely no question when treating of sins. For how do we know what abundance of grace for the total overcoming of sins was conferred upon her? Who merited to conceive and bear him in whom there was no sin? So I say, with the exception of the Virgin, if we could have gathered together all those holy men and women who, when they were living here and they and had asked them whether they were without sin, what do we suppose would have been their answer? So this is by Augustine. So I'm willing to concede. I think this might be a little bit actually saying Mary was sinless. Correct. And uh, of course, this is a 415 AD. So we are very far removed from the station. Oops. Um, and this no. is actually when you start seeing a lot of new ideas really crop up. There's some weird stuff uh, sometimes with origin. Um, oddly enough, origin gets deemed as a heretic. Uh, but it's like, I don't know. I find it kind of funny that Augustine never gets called out on some of his stuff until recent, recent years. And if I recall, this is actually a writing in response to Pelagius from the year previous, if I'm remembering my church history. Oh, possible. Um, but something to consider. And remember, Pelagius, watch our interview with Warren, um, was acquitted twice of being a heretic by Augustine because he got to be there and defend himself. The third time, he didn't get to defend himself. And what do you know? He, he lost. Out. 
And oddly enough, uh, Pelagius agreed and Eusebius agreed on a lot. There's like, if you actually if you trace it, it's like Pelagius actually agreed with tons of the church fathers who we, who are still considered like highly honorable and respected today. It's just actually ridiculous. It was, it was, it was such a sham. I mean, that's all it was. I just think it's a garbage trial. Anyway, um, so yeah, so there's a Catholic lens over these. And now the reality is, is like, does, does the Mariology impact your salvation okay look if you believe she is sinless i think that's weird i don't think it's the end of the world um but because some people believe enoch was sinless like okay like uh, i think if you take it like an orthodox approach it would be a more appropriate way like oh she just chose not to I'm like okay i can at least get like that's at least seems logically feasible um not what i would agree with but you, you know what I'm saying, like, as opposed yeah. to inherited guilt. Be careful what checklist you put in front of Christians and say, you have to believe on the Lord, profess that he is your Lord, believe that God raised him from the dead, and then also um, believe that the Israelites wandered in the desert for this many days and believe this about Moses, or it's just about repenting and belief. Yeah, re re yeah, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand and the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, all that stuff. So Be careful to gatekeep at this level. Yeah, and not, but in reality is though like the New Testament only talks about Christ being sinless. That it does. That's all we see from Christ's ministry and uh, abroad after that was he was sinless. So I think it is a big stretch to try to make a biblical case at all for her sinlessness. And I don't think you can make a strong case that the entire church fathers were united. And even if they were, it doesn't necessarily make them right because the early church fathers can help contextualize a lot of stuff, but they're not necessarily like perfect, flawless, authoritative, etc. So um, there's a Catholic lens on these on these texts, and we'll just quickly shotgun them, I assume. So it says, uh, they basically, oh yeah, so we basically, what happens with Catholics, they assume original sin. So like things like undefiled, they take uh, now as not guilty of Adam's sin, where we would just look at, uh, look and see reinforcement of virginity, maybe pure or innocent, but we don't really see this idea of sinlessness if we just see the word undefiled, right? And the same thing with faith. When you see that it's talking about Mary having faith, that doesn't mean that she was perfect. That doesn't mean she was righteous in every act that she did in perpetuity it just means that she was righteous because she had faith right just like all of us and then of course they take recapitulation theory and they kind of stretch it being the second eve to be that that she was sinless even though the real comparison is faith um in satan versus faith in christ right like or at least uh faith in self if not satan it's a faith in self and um, individualism as opposed to faith in God and uh, obedience, not a commentary on her necessarily sinful state. And the church fathers are giving Mary an exceptional amount of kudos for believing on Gabriel and saying, yep, what he said is true. Let it be done. I'm excited. Let's do this thing. Um, let the Lord's will be done. And that doesn't mean that she was sinless. Correct. She made a really good choice on faith. Good job. That does. A lot of us have made really great choices in faith, and I still think Mary's a perfectly great person for women to look up to. She's mm -hmm. she mothered Christ for crying out loud. Like she's she is the best envisioning of what like talk about the highest honor, right? To be the mother of God in the flesh. Like that doesn't get any. You don't get any better than that. Like it's just that's awesome. But at the same time, you know, keep things within. <laughs> Let's watch our expectations, so to speak. 
Augustine invented original sin doctrine, and he seems to have helped create the idea of a sinless Mary, too, at least judging by what we were able to find. Now, it doesn't mean, now granted, watch, we're going to have overlooked some crazy amount of quotes uh, somewhere, and someone's going to make us look like fools, but this is what, so far what we came up with. Put them in the comment section. Yeah, I'd, I'd love, love to be proven wrong. If, yeah, we'll pin it. Like I'd love that, and we'll write our little response as a comment. I have no problem doing that. There is, But honestly, there's nothing I can find or you can find prior to 480 that says anything about Mary being sinless. And um, and it's quite well known that Augustine invented the doctrine of original sin. Which is why they had to have the Immaculate Conception saying that she was born sinless because of this idea that all mankind inherits guilt. Therefore, they had to find a way to get Jesus out of the firing line. And instead of just saying he was given extra grace as a son of God, they were like, oh, Mary must get get it too. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, you can't make an argument that George Washington wasn't Republican because X, Y, Z, because the Republican Party didn't exist back then. So when you say that Mary was preserved from the stain of original sin, when the idea of original sin wasn't invented yet, doesn't make any sense. And saying that the church believed that before Augustine invented it doesn't make any sense. Right. We're, we're a cart horse problem, kind of like the whole idea of God retroactively making Mary's conception sinless <laughs> by Jesus' death on the cross later doesn't seems like you're really putting a lot into the text there right right and well this is supposed to show like your theology if you have like one bad part wrong like a lot of the things you start stacking on top of it you might you might end up drawing way too many lines to get around stuff if you have to start doing a, an intense amount of metaphysics to make your theology make sense the theology probably just doesn't make sense you know there's a bit of an occam's razor thing there it's like i don't think it's that complicated like theology is hard already Theology is tough, but I think if you have to come up with like a 14 loopholes to get to a certain conclusion, I, I think you should just probably abandon that endeavor and be like, okay, that's a possibility, but it's probably not a strong probability, you know, of, of a truth claim. But anyway. I could just hear the King James only is now. If you give up the King James, this is what happens. Like you start wearing skinny jeans, you think Mary was sinless. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. it's hi, <laughs> our so, King James only friends. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so it's just, I could yeah, actually. You know, yeah. you say stuff like that though. You know, you do <laughs> all the time. Like yeah, whenever you see someone fall away from the faith, like from a Christian band, this is what happens. You get rid of hymns and the King James. Like it's, yeah, anyway, all right. <laughs> I had to. Sorry. We, why are we punching on King James only us now? We're just like oh, let's. We're just, just like shh, we're just choosing everywhere. violence. Like we're like this is our last episode together in person for a while. This is bust out the just chain gun. Whatever. Let's make everyone mad. Uh, just, you know what I, I think about Calvinism? Oh, I'm, just, okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We've excluded Calvinists from this. You're welcome. Yeah, see? See? Actually, actually no. No, we can't. Because they, they're Augustinians. Because they're Augustinian. <laughs> so never mind. You're included in this. You just don't take the Immaculate Conception route, but you still have the same problem of how he's like us in every respect. If he's guilty, but then he's really not like us at all. If he's not guilty. So, sorry, actually, Kelvin, you're not exempt. We, we tried. All right, I was trying to throw a bone. I was so like, close. nope, doesn't work. Sorry. Almost an hour in, didn't talk about Kelvin. Yeah, well, too bad. Uh, we are going to do a whole tulip uh, thing here That's very coming. soon. It'll be mm -hmm. a blast. A blasty blast. But bottom line is, guys, like, honestly, like, as, as much as we're joking up around and having a good time with this, and we think McNoles is very wrong here, we do like Knowles a lot. Um, so this is why, it, let me tell you something, originally we were like, hey, you know, support us on Patreon so you can help support our families, help support the costs of this. I, I, I take that all back. Support us on Patreon so we can have as cool of an office set up as he does. It is sweet. That thing is dope. <laughs> I want it. So you just 
give us money so we can make that happen. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, and Knowles also makes a lot of really good theological points. And actually in that same episode, I think he gets a question where uh, some guy's like, oh, I, uh, I'm really trying to do what the, the Lord's will. And I, the Lord really put on my heart that this girl that I see at church is for me. And then I asked her out and she said, no, like, how do I reconcile that? And Knowles is like, maybe she's not that into you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you don't know who she is and you just seen her from across the church and you're like, Ooh, she's mine. And maybe she doesn't like you. And maybe you should stop <laughs> confusing your feelings for God's will, which people do all the time. So, so kudos to Knowles. He does have some great advice too. I think just this one, it got into Catholic dogma as he stated and we disagree with it. Yeah, exactly. So Catholics are really stuck with the previous declarations. Uh, uh, because of the, the uh, of I should say they're stuck with their previous declarations because they're stuck with the magisterium, so they can't purge their dogma. Because if they do, then it shows that the church is not imperfect. That's why the Orthodox Church actually does have a way better system. They take hard stances on very few things. Uh, they're very much they're a lot more broad and accepting of their theology because they're like we don't do that unless we absolutely know we have to. Because if we do that, we do put ourselves at risk um, of being wrong. Uh, Protestants and Catholics use the exact same logic uh, half the time with this, right? If you think we are all born guilty of Adam's sin, can you, then therefore we have to do all these different weird things to get around it. So you see, like, if you believe you're born with guilty, if you're a Protestant, you're using the same logic as a Catholic, right? Adam, The way Adam impacts us is he makes us all equally guilty. So Christ can't be really like us in every respect. And on top of that, you can't, uh, uh, you got to find a way how did Christ really become sinless? And also, what happens to dead babies? Yeah, you're carving out Jesus just like the Catholics are carving out Mary. Or maybe Romans 3.23 doesn't say what you think it means. Right, exactly. Maybe maybe you're taking that and stretching it. I think Knowles is right there that some people stretch all in a very weird way because they're like, well, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It means babies. It's like, no, it's talking about Jew and Gentile. It's talking about a people group. Um, so. Knowles also kind of makes a claim at the end, like, like be, make sure you're in step with history. And our point would be that actually Knowles is not quite um, articulating history accurately with regard to the church. And while... There are a lot of weird views on Mary, and there's a lot of stuff about Mary with the ideas of re recapitulation prior to Augustine. They don't really seem to hold weight to actually that they were holding to the sinless state of Mary, nor did they believe in, in an Augustinian original sin because it didn't exist yet. And Catholics do this all the time. They confuse, like, they claim, they're like the only ones that make historical claims. They claim all the ancient history of the church and that, like, they're the exclusive owners of it. When it's like the Orthodox Church could do the same, the Anglican the Anglican Church could do to that too. It just gets a little ridiculous. Um, like there's a lot, church fathers disagreed with each other too. Like just like we do now. Like it's always been an endeavor to better understand God. That's the whole point of theology is to philosophize about God and come to know Him better, and then to theorize and then test those theories. And some theories don't add up. That's why that's why Brian and I have shifted a lot of position. A lot of our original theories didn't hold up, so it's time to move. You know, move to a more reasonable view. That's part of the sanctification process. Part of understanding God better. And then also the other thing that he brought up, like, why doesn't the authority matter so much? Yeah, he brought that up at the end, like, oh, be careful about interpreting yourself. I'm like... <laughs> Which is funny because he's, like, a conservative and therefore he's, like, anti-complete like complete authoritarians. So I just find it funny. It's like, well, do you think that the Catholic Church is unquestionable? Because is it, like, your whole shtick as a conservative that I should be able to question you? Yeah, and he talks about he was an atheist for a while, kind of like college time, and then he kind of went back to Christianity and he actually was like, Protestantism, or should I go back to Catholicism? Um, so he 
was thinking along those lines. So at least at that point in time, he was able to interpret scripture on his own. But then he gave up that authority once he entered the church. It was just a weird idea to me in general. We've talked to other Catholics before they've talked about that. Like, here's why I left Protestantism and I'm a Catholic, and you can't interpret the Bible. I'm like, what? Well, you just gave me all the reasons why you left. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, you use the Bible, you right? Like you're reading the scripture. Bible, interpreting it yourself. So it's just, it is very odd. It's kind of like a weird circle, self-defeating thing, as opposed to like, can we just say we're all thinking about this seriously and trying to come up with different conclusions for various reasons? Um, also, Noel says varied interpretations are bad, but Augustine had a brand new one on original sin as well. So he's saying that other people recently believing these other interpretations of Mary. No, that's bad, but he's not applying the same thing to Augustine. Uh, and I think that's a problem because Augustine, you know, really beat Pelagius in the battle over orthodoxy when Pelagius, as you had mentioned, was based, well, he was already exonerated multiple times, but the one he wasn't able to be there, then they just like kick him out and exile him. So, yeah, it's just, it's very strange. The sinlessness of Mary, I'm not sure if, if we can like say uh, with uh, absolute certainty, and I should say this, I don't think we can say with absolute certainty that she was sinless. And I think actually the evidence is actually against it. I think she did have sin, which is why she needed a savior. And she was a very blessed woman, but it doesn't mean that she's sinless. Uh, there's a blessed... Uh, is the man who sits not in the council of the ungodly, right? Proverbs. Like there's a lot of sinless. other things. <laughs> Every time it says blessed, it must sinless. mean sinless. Uh, so therefore, when Paul says, blessed uh, my brothers unto you, we're all sinless. You know, it just gets silly. So can we just, just easy. Let's not take certain things and r- run with them, all right? So yeah. Um, but yeah, the sinlessness of Mary, I think, is, is bunk. I don't think it's true. I get why they want that. And there, it does create this cool parallel between the two, but that's all it really yeah. does. Yeah, well, we say the same thing about, like, preachers with having, like, a pithy saying in a sermon. It's like, well, that was really pithy and interesting and eloquent, but was it right, though? And just be careful that just because it's a really cool parallel doesn't mean it's actually accurate. Right. doesn't mean it's a real parallel just because you can create one. Uh, and like, yeah, that's such a good point. Like the pithy statements is a great example. Like there's a lot of pat, preachy pithy statements that I was like, Ooh, that sounded really good, but it's really not accurate, but it just it has a nice like ring to it. So be careful not to fall into that sort of thing. Just cause has a nice ring to it. Doesn't necessarily mean it's true. So yeah. Anyway, uh, we love Michael Knowles, but we think he's wrong. Feel free <laughs> to have us on to discuss it. That'd be a fun, we would covet that opportunity extremely <laughs> brian you would you would, to go on there and discuss it with him you just we you just be fangirling the I, I probably would be you'd be like You're i my like hero. this office is so cool the studio i love it we, lo- we love your studio i also love your book big fan <laughs> reasons to vote for democrats <laughs> i sucked up I every word read every that page. book <laughs> For those of you guys who don't know, he, he wrote a book that was blank on the reasons you should vote for a Democrat. Democrat was like a book that was blank. It was hilarious. I remember someone wrote in and was like, hey, I wonder, I'm thinking about writing a book. Can you give me some advice on how to write a book? He's like, I don't know if I can give advice on how to write a book, but I can sure give you some advice on how to title one. <laughs> Which I thought was just so funny. Uh, but anyway, guys. Yeah, so uh, that this was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm glad Brian was able to come up with an idea for an episode. I had my laptop out, though, because my iPad is uh, tucked away somewhere in this mess. <laughs> He's losing all his things. We are going to now dismantle the studio after this. And, uh, well, yeah, a brief pause, and then 
we'll get back to doing this remotely. Yeah, it'll be a <laughs> lot of fun. But guys, we really do appreciate all your help and your support and your likes and your comments and your views. We really, honest to goodness, we appreciate every single one of you. It's, it's so weird that people even want to take us at all seriously, but uh, we don't take ourselves that seriously. So, <laughs> hey, um, but really, we do appreciate you guys watching and interacting with us and challenging us. Some of you have challenged us very strongly and very well Definitely. and has helped sharpen us and we really need that uh my theology is only as good as how sharp it is and so i need people to do that and challenge us and we so what are your thoughts on the sinlessness of mary and if you what is the earliest quote you can find of a church father that says she was sinless those are some great challenges and i want to hear those in the comments below but until then guys brian is there anything else you want to say to our audience before That's we it. Sign off. Yeah, I guess this is I mean, one. I think one of the first episodes we've done, really kind of going into the Catholicism realm. So yeah, outside of, I, of we fun. did have a couple Catholics on just to have friendly conversations, but that's yeah. about it. So yeah, who knows? Thanks, Maybe this is the beginning of a new series in the future, <laughs> something budding. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, all right, guys, we appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, feel free to reach out. And again, let us know in the comments below. So take care and God bless. And guys, if you want to avoid seeing obnoxious ads like this, we gotta be strong, we gotta be healthy. When you wanna feel nice and strong and satisfied, you gotta check out Good Ranchers. Right now, go to goodranchers.com, use promo code Knowles. Or that. We also wanna thank Free Life Soap, cause I don't know about y'all, yes. but I got a new shipment of soap yes, in. Yes, I did. Yes, sir. And it was great. Or this. Hi guys, my name is Will, and I'm here to tell you why you should be a student at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary. Or that. We'll get to that momentarily. First, I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Are you aware that your browsing data is constantly being tracked and monitored? Please support us on Patreon. We do not want to annoy you filthy heretics with any sort of ads on this show. So when you're a Patreon subscriber, you also get access to our apologetics classes and other video content a whole month in advance. You can support us on Patreon for as low as $1 a month.